0: One of the guys that invested in me when I was a young married man, he was actually a Bellevue Sunday school teacher. I met with this guy and for probably over six years, that Sunday school teacher poured into my life. He was very intentional. He said, man, you're gonna protect Friday mornings at 6 a.m. I'm gonna invest in you. If you wanna take this serious, I'm going to help make you a fully devoted follower of Jesus and we're going to make sure we block off Friday mornings at 6 a.m. I did it for six years. I'm so grateful for it, but I do think it required him being that direct and that strategic in order that the formation process would
1: unfold. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Hey, friend, it's a pleasure to have you stop by. Also a pleasure to have Kerrigan Santos to co-host this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint with me. We're in the studio. We're actually running cameras so we can post it on our YouTube channel. We've been enjoying that. Also, these programs, many of them are posted on our Bot Radio Network mobile app. But uh, Kerrigan, we've had a great show today, and I'm yeah. excited about the guest you've lined up.
2: Yes, yes, we have Mr. Sanders here with us today.
1: Yeah, Luke Saunders is the executive pastor of multi-site ministry. You know, it's interesting, Luke, these titles now <laughs> you know, <and> that, <laughs> that uh, churches are having. You know, it's not just the the music minister, the youth pastor. We've got this multi-site ministry pastor. Is, that, is That's what their website says. Yes, it's a tad bit nebulous, uh, maybe a lot. <laughs> A bit pretentious <laughs> in title. But
0: uh, again, basically, I work to teach and lead a church in Hernando, Mississippi. But there's a kind of an extension of our church in Olive Branch and in South Haven, Mississippi. And there's two guys that lead on those campuses and I'm just trying to give them my playbook and support them in what they're doing in those cities. So,
1: so. you're trying to balance everything. Is that what it is? <laughs>
0: There's a lot of balancing. There's <laughs> balancing. A balancing. Yes, yes, well, absolutely.
1: I mean, last time we got together was on a Zoom call. If you remember how many years ago? Several years ago.
0: Yes, that was a while ago. Through
1: the Love We're Finding Ministries there was a feature called Conversations that Matter. It really was at the beginning of the COVID period and so LWF was producing these weekly shows. I would literally sit in my bedroom and they would zoom me in with Kerry Vaughn, the CEO, and we would just have a conversation. And you were our guest on one of those programs. Why was it? he did a great job.
2: That's awesome. It's
0: <laughs> weird. I would forgotten about that. that like your, My brain had not re- retained all of the things that happened during COVID. But yes, that was a weird time, but it was a sweet moment. Thank you again for that opportunity.
1: Of course, I had the privilege of watching you grow up in the youth group at Bellevue Baptist Church, where at that time we were attending and involved with the youth ministry, my wife and I. So it's really neat to see how God has just grown you up and your brother Jeff. Now, I think I knew Jeff more because my wife worked with the drama team. Right. And Jeff Jeff was really involved with that. Were you involved with the drama? For a
0: brief minute,
1: <laughs> yeah. I you didn't know, know was for, was a, for a
0: few weeks maybe, yeah, yeah. you know, when I, when it was necessary for the whatever student mission trip we were going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's when I got like pulled back into it. But yes, he actually just went back to Tokyo. He works with MTW and has been in Japan for a few, well, six years now. And so he came back. His wife is pregnant. And so they kind of squeezed in a little trip to visit the family before she was unable to fly in the third trimester. <laughs> so but they are back in Tokyo. We miss them so much, but uh, it was a really good time this summer getting to hang out and talk with them. Oh,
1: I love that, Luke, just to see how God has you know, directed the family and, and Jeff and his family doing ministry in Japan. Really, the highlight of your life is your wife, Caroline, who I also, matter of fact, I remember when her mom, Wendy, was she was pregnant with with Caroline. <laughs> yes. We were in the same Sunday school class. Her parents, Bill and Wendy Powers, of course, her grandparents, AC, and her grandmother, some of the sweetest people yes. you know, on the earth, you know? And I just remember the Powers family so well. Tremendous faith legacy. Yes. And, and
0: in some circles, I am known as Caroline's husband, yeah. or, you know, uh, she's kind of like a little baby Beth Moore yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, in certain <laughs> in certain. Well, she's uh, an circles, author too, right? She's an author, blogger, teacher, and does an incredible job. Sometimes is much better at doing the thing that I do. Uh, but uh, anyway, no, she's great. She's a blessing. She's writing a whole lot of things and uh, also being a homeschool. Mom, and uh, then a kind of a leader within our local church.
1: And so, yes. Three children, and I know there was a special moment when Amos came into your life.
0: Yes, Amos came into our home in. I guess september 2019 and uh, it was kind of a surprise and we are so very excited to bring him home with us through an adoption process that was an adoption that was solidified right before the pandemic and i guess it was february 2020 which we were at the courthouse for gotcha day so very sweet and then uh, yeah amos turned four this week so... And two other children? Two other children. My oldest is Adelaide Arden. Adelaide is nine years old. And, and my middle child is a Robert Greer. He goes by Greer and he is eight. He is dreading that we have
1: football practice in this heat tonight. So... <laughs> Tell you what, it's pretty intense heat, you know, so you got to be careful out there. Yes. A lot of water breaks. A lot of water breaks. Well, Kerrigan, we're excited to have Luke in the studio today to really talk about something I'm really anxious to dive into, and that's the topic of discipleship.
2: Yes. Yes. We're going to be covering biblical discipleship today. and I I think we wanted to talk about that in the spirit of your Discipleship Academy, if you want to talk a little bit about that.
0: Yes, we launched a new program in our church just two weeks ago called Discipleship Academy. We spent probably over a year in our church with the pastors of all three campuses kind of developing a program that we could kind of make disciples. You know, we want to make competent, confident disciple makers. And we recognized that there was kind of a gap in our church. We had a lot of informal process and a lot of highly relational processes that were available for people to engage in discipleship, but we wanted a more formalized, structured process that was a little more maybe academic and institutional in nature. And so we launched a program and it's a 35-week program. It's mm. on Monday nights. It's two hours uh, each Monday night. And so a person is committing to the full 35 weeks, only four absences allowed. It's kind of <laughs> like a, like college a little bit. And uh, then there's going to be just pretty much a lecture. And then they are learning within the context of a cohort. Mm. And So there's 55 uh, adults that have agreed to step into this kind of inaugural year to help us kind of pioneer this thing. And so we have, I believe, 10 other Bible teachers pastors, leaders, seminary professors that are gonna participate and help bring the content. But we're really excited about it. We're only a week two in. I know we have uh, 33 more to go, but we are excited and they are excited. It seems to be uh, scratching the itch for what we see in our congregation. There's a lot of people very hungry to be equipped wanting to do the thing of making disciples they want to engage yes. with the mission of god but they're right. feeling like hey i don't have what is necessary in order to step out to you know kind of be able to teach people the scriptures and so we're giving them the tools so they can do it for themselves
1: luke could we just step back a second as your team came together the initial looking into discipleship. Let's talk about that biblical definition of discipleship and maybe why some churches have maybe skewed off a little bit from what that looks like.
0: Well, here's what we saw happening in our church. Because of the kind of the methodology of our our local church, we don't have a, a lot of like Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings where we would have these programs and you know, lengthy Bible studies, Uh, we were in homes, in life groups, scattered around the city. And so we gathered together on Sunday morning. And then throughout the week, the only other touch point was kind of living in community with one another. And we'd kind of unpack, you know, Sunday morning materials, uh, that teaching. But we realized that there was a lot of gaps in personal understanding of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And even though we were working our way through the Bible and teaching it on Sunday mornings, that there were some things that needed to be shored up. And so our life group structure was highly relational, but we needed more of an institutional formalized again, program or effort Mm -hmm. to really shore up some of the holes. And so we began to work to develop this program. And we really believe that a key aspect to discipleship is intentionality. And I think we were intentionally engaged in biblical community, but I'm not so sure we were intentionally stepping into a process and helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah. yeah, No, that makes sense. Uh, Giving it a little bit more of a structure. So we have all of those aspects in place for churches. And I think that's common in a lot of, of different churches. We can do sort of the beginning entry level of a lot of different things. So when it comes to discipleship or even Bible reading, we kind of give little tidbits. But when it comes to going home and having some homework or reminding people to get connected to one another, sometimes we may not necessarily have clear processes in place for that. So I think that's great. In terms of, you know, for Discipleship Academy, could you share some key biblical verses that serve as, you know, a foundation for understanding discipleship?
0: Absolutely. I think the first text that comes to mind is, again, 2 Timothy 2.2, the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who are able to teach others also. And obviously, again, Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is kind of our great commission, uh, disciple making mandate that every believer should live under. But again, that 2 Timothy text is, so very powerful because you can see multiple generations present in this kind of admonishment from Paul. Paul talking to Timothy to find faithful men who can teach others also, which is really incredible. It's really beautiful. There's four generations that he's kind of alluding to. Four generations that you can see in that single verse. And so that replication is so very essential. And if there is not, there's no replication or multiplication, we're doing something wrong. That's something that I feel like we want to instill in those people that are stepping into Discipleship Academy. We want them to understand like, if this ends with you, if you do 35 weeks and then you're done and then you just sit on this material, uh, I think that ultimately that that material will, will sour in you. The disciple is supposed to be taking that which has been poured into them and pouring out into another generation, that really allows you to, I believe, have a kind of divine retention in the soul. It also, I think makes us healthy when that water kind of flows in and out on a regular basis. And so we're telling those people in Discipleship Academy, don't just see it as like a college credit that you're going to receive at the end, you're going to get the diploma and you're good to go. We want you to say, no, this is material that's given to me to be given away to the people around me.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great word there, Luke. And when you try to provide structure, it's helpful. Case in point, our church recently developed in the last couple of years, a program we call Called DNA, and it's a discipleship program our pastor you know leads. It's it's a thirteen week program, and what it basically does is give you the tools so you know how to disciple someone you know. Yes. And it's been so helpful. I'm engaging right now a young married man, a professional guy, and we're meeting regularly to pray together, to study God's word together. In the mix of life, like you know, here's a dad and he's married, he's got a, f- a young child and family. You know what trying to juggle that's like, yes. and people's <laughs> schedule trying to get together and knowing you are doing that. Life on life together can be challenging.
0: Yes, absolutely. I, my wife and I, are always having to push back on some of the the creep that happens just living in a very busy, hurried world. Things just creep into your life, begin to kind of rob your time, and we're always having to kind of reset ourselves and say, like, "Hey, is this matching up with our family priorities?" Because again, this disciple making thing is absolutely essential for our, to live in obedience with God. Like this is what God has called us to. And so we can't put it on the back burner, but yet we know we have a responsibility to our family and our children, and we can't neglect the disciple making process that they're in. Mm -hmm. And so let's uh, give them what they need, but also let's provide ourselves some margin so that we can actually form disciples for the other adults that God would bring into our life.
2: How would you say for Jesus's own example of discipleship as portrayed in the gospels? How would that provide guidance for us in understanding this topic.
0: Yeah, I think when you see the model of discipleship through Jesus, you see him kind of inviting people into his life. Again, he is a a rabbi, a teacher. The Greek word mathetes is the idea of being the apprentice. And so you see that Jesus is inviting apprentices into his life. He is Mm. inviting people to sit under his teaching and to learn, but they're learning as they go. I feel like it's kind of, it echoes in some ways Deuteronomy 6, which teaches about the parents and the fact that, again, they are going to teach their children as they go, when they rise and when they lie down and as they go by the way. And so I do think that you see that in Jesus with his disciples, that he brings them close. And then he kind of carries on with his agenda to kind of teach and preach the good news to those that are around him. But these are participants in the mission with him. And Mm -hmm. so they're getting hands-on training. And so that life-on-life aspect is so very valuable in disciple-making. So discipleship, is caught and it's taught. I just remember that. I can't remember who, who taught me that. Uh <laughs> That's good. again it's someone who's maybe a disciple that h- held on to that phrase, but yes yeah, caught and it's taught. So you learn as you go. And for me, that has been so very valuable for my discipleship process. My spiritual formation has uh, largely been shaped because I've been close to somebody. They've been in proximity to my life. I saw them do real life. And then I saw, oh, that is what a godly man does. That's what a godly husband does. That's how you respond in these type of situations and able to see truth applied. And that really uh, sinks deep.
1: You know, Something I experienced in a trip to Israel back in 2018, when I was noticing these rabbis would be walking through the streets and often oftentimes, you know, their followers would be right there with them, or their followers might cut their hair to mimic the way their rabbi had their hair cut, and so they wanted to fit into that form. Wow. So I think that's interesting. We look at that from a biblical standpoint, not to be legalistic, not that we have to cut our, I don't have to cut my hair like Luke's, right? Yeah. But the fact that we are wanting to mimic the good. I mean, I think, didn't Paul, didn't he say, you know, follow me as I follow Christ? Absolutely. And so as, as we're dedicated, Kerrigan, you know, to the Lord and we're walking with Him, we should want those around us to follow that same way, right?
2: Yeah, that's correct. What I would ask you is in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it encourages us to The actual verbiage is to run the race with perseverance and fixing our eyes on Jesus. How does this relate to the idea of following Jesus as a disciple in our modern world?
0: That's a good question. (laughs) 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 Uh, One, I, I do believe that I think that a disciple needs to realize that to be a disciple is never to be completed and to be finished. I think that's really, really important. So when someone is entering into this kind of intentional process or the disciple makers inviting people into an intentional process, it's a lifelong process you know, we're going to be lifelong learners and lifelong teachers. Mm. And so again, it's, you have to see it as a race. That metaphor is so very valuable. It's like you're going to keep running until the day in which you die. Again, you're going to have to continue to put out some kind of efforts uh, that God will give you that, which is necessary for you to be able to run this race. But we keep running. We never stop. You're never done. You're never completed. You're never saying, aha, the recipe is completed. Therefore I've arrived. I am all that I need to be as a disciple. No, we're perpetually being formed into the image of God. And so I think that metaphor of the race and continuing to run it with endurance is so very valuable that making sure we set proper expectations for the believer and for the new disciple, it's like, you're never just going to be done. You're never just going to have the degree and it's, ah, you're completed. It's good for them to just know the seriousness of the thing that they're stepping into. Also thinking that all of our discipleship efforts ought to direct our attention to Jesus. If we're not putting our eyes back on Jesus, then we're doing yeah. something wrong. If we're just making our own disciples, we're really not truly making biblical disciples. If we're making mm-hmm. people that looks like me, I want to emulate Christ, right? But if I'm emulating something other than Christ, then we're doing this the wrong way. And so I don't want people to be mini-me's. I do want to be mini-Christ. I hope to demonstrate Jesus and to kind of to walk in the ways of Christ and then to be able to see me and then practically know how to go this, like this is what it looks like to live it out. Yeah. Um, so I hope to be Jesus with skin on it in some ways, but... Yeah, if Jesus is not our end goal, then we're missing the mark.
2: And I think that's a good point, you know, to kind of answer that question in a roundabout way is, is that a disciple in our modern world is we are supposed to be the modern version of what Jesus was implying in the Bible and what he was guiding us in that way. So we are the answer to that question is sure. it's, it's us and to remind others and to show by example that it's possible through us. So I think that's great. In Luke 14, 25 to 33, this talks about the cost of discipleship, which I thought was really interesting interesting to study on. Could you explain what he meant by this? To give a little bit more context, it, it talks about calculating costs, and the examples that Jesus gives is construction building and the payment, making sure that you had enough money to complete that project, kings counting their resources before battle, and salt losing its flavor being worthless. How would you explain what he meant by this and how it applies to believers today?
0: Yeah, I think counting the cost is so very important if you're going to step into the the call. Of Christ, I think you have to know what he's calling you to. That I think in, in preparations, you sent me the text of Luke nine twenty three, the picking up one's cross. Yeah. Essentially the call to die. I, that's the ultimate sense of what the cost will be. It's like, this is going to cost you your entire life. Mm-hmm. Now, the upside down ways in which Christ works is that, again, to lose one's life isn't in fact to gain one's life. But you need to recognize that, again, this is going to be a perpetual picking up the cross, regularly dying to oneself. Like the cost is everything you have. But again, that what you gain in return is so much more than the things that you give up. Yeah. And so I want to tell people that when they are deciding, you know, if they're spiritually wrestling, right, they're experiencing a sense of conviction about whether or not they're going to follow Jesus with their entire life, that they would just count it the cost on the front end, No, the weight of this decision. That again, this means giving up your yourself, your money, your relationships, your career. It means basically just putting your yes on the table, saying like, all of this belongs to you, whatever you want from me, I will give to you. So. Yeah, and
1: you go back to Galatians 2, 20, where it says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And you think about the cost that many around the world are paying with their lives. In our Western set here in the U.S., you know, there's some persecution in ways, but when it comes to actually laying our life down for the gospel, we don't see that as of now. We don't see that right yes. now. But knowing that there is a cost, there is something when you do stand for Christ or you're sold out, you're that living sacrifice, as Paul also Talks about that it could cost your life.
0: Yes. That Romans 12 living sacrifice reality that is part of our spiritual life, I was always told that the inconvenience of being a living sacrifice is you have to, you can pull yourself off the altar and you have to put yourself back on the altar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm always reminded of my own walk and my own kind of spiritual state. I'm always thinking, am I, have I pulled myself off the altar? Am I living for myself? And I have to put myself back on it. I have to choose again to die once more to who I am and what I want, reminding myself of the cross of Christ that I am crucified. Mm -hmm. And
2: so keep running that race. Yes. Continuing to
0: persevere. absolutely. Right.
2: Moving beyond just the theory, how can we practically integrate the concept of discipleship into our daily lives? What are some first steps we can take into that path?
0: I think that you have to be very intentional very purposeful with your discipleship efforts. I think with our, you know, your own children, which I think is your first and foremost, like your greatest calling in disciple making.
2: I your think inner you, circles.
0: Your inner circles. I do think you have to consider your family. You have to think those people that are living under your roof, like you have to make disciples in that context. It's a shame to consider. Consider that I'm going to try to make disciples outside the context of my home and dismiss the greatest need that's going to be right there in your face on probably a uh, 24/7 basis. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think some intentionality is important. My wife and I a lot of times spend Monday nights trying to uh, dedicate ourselves to disciple making efforts, mm. and so it's been our night. It's a kind of an immovable night. Yeah. We have an immovable conviction that we have to make disciples, and so we say Monday nights is nothing touches it. Nothing can come into that schedule, and so I go to the garage. <laughs> so guys come over to my house they pull up at about seven o'clock we go into the garage and uh, we'll just sit there if it's hot or it's cold we're just gonna have our time we work through God's word together she has a bunch of ladies that pull in the driveway about the same time and they get the they get the kitchen table uh, so their their environment is a little more comfortable but it's our dedicated time for about 90 minutes every Monday night our discipleship academy currently is on Monday nights because that had been my dedicated night and so I, I told myself if I'm gonna lead something I'm gonna lead something that same time frame to continue to make disciples. So she still has people coming over to the house on Monday nights, but I, I think you have to have that level of focus. One of the guys that invested in me when I was a young married man, he was actually a, a Bellevue Sunday school teacher. He reached out to me, I think just a month after I got married and said, Hey man, would you meet me at Starbucks on Friday at 6am Poplar and 240? And I was like, man, that's a strange time of day. Uh, <laughs> you're a strange man. I don't even know who you are. Uh, and that's a strange part of the city. I've never been there. Man, I went, I was curious mostly uh, what was going to happen. I met with this guy and for probably over six years, that Sunday school teacher poured into my life. And it was, it was very intentional. He said, man, you're going to protect Friday mornings at 6am. You're not going to miss. He was like, if you're going to, if we're going to do this, I'm going to invest in you. If you want to take this serious, I'm going to help make you a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And we're going to make sure we block off Friday mornings at 6am. He said, I'm a busy man. I have a father. I'm living the corporate life. He said, there's a lot of things that are demanding of my time, but I'm going to make sure that I've value this above those things, and so I need you to value those things. I did it for six years, Friday mornings, 6 a.m. I'm so grateful for it, but I do think it required him being that direct and that strategic in order that the formation process would unfold.
1: Luke, this Discipleship Academy there at Colonial Hills that you're developing here, and it's actually kicking off, it's happening right it's now. Happening now. Now, is this something really contained just to the membership of Colonial, or is it open to those, maybe if their church doesn't have a program like that, maybe some of our listeners would say, I would love to be in involved with that, would there be opportunities for those outside the congregation to join you?
0: Yes. This inaugural year, we have just, I believe, one, maybe two people from our community that do not go to our church that are participating. Uh, we have a hopes that after this first year that we'd be able to open it up to our community. And so if someone's participating in another local church and they're unable to maybe receive this type of intentional training, that they'd be able to stop off. What I love about Discipleship Academy is that there are multiple voices beyond our church and in our community that are helping teach. And so we have a guy from Heartland Church in South Haven. We have another one, Brown Missionary. Uh, Bart Orr, Rufus Smith, has promised to be a part of it as well at Hope Church. We have Mary Hannah Wilson, Second Presbyterian Church, uh, coming in teaching about biblical womanhood. So there's a number of voices already in our community that are coming. So we hope that we basically are able to reach into the community. And yeah. If there's others that desire to participate in this type of program, it'd be an opportunity for them.
1: You know, Kerrigan I really love this is how- they've been inclusive, not just staying within the walls of their own church, but as they look to develop leaders and, mm-hmm. and tap the community for these various churches and even from denominations outside your own denomination. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. It's really a picture of the body of Christ.
2: Yeah. Becoming more of a central hub yes, for we, everyone to come.
1: Yes, I'm so grateful
0: for all those that are willing to step into it and to teach. They have been so very gracious, one with their time, with the content, with the development of the material. And then they are uh, wanting to kind of link arms with us in this disciple making mandate right they know the significance of disciple making and they recognize that this is an an essential aspect making sure we teach them to be fully devoted followers teaching them the things of jesus and so there's a there's a plurality of voices uh, a lot of different Mm -hmm. denominational backgrounds but it seems to be a really beautiful thing i am experiencing greater levels of like unity and harmony from these other church leaders than I ever really thought. Until this program existed, I would have assumed that we wouldn't have been able to link up in very many things. But now I look back and I'm like, no, there's a lot of things that we can be unified in. And uh, this disciple making mission is
1: one of those things. Well, I love it. I love it. Kieran. what else do we have? I know our time is slipping up. We have time for maybe one more question.
2: Yeah, I would like to ask, you know, we're, a lot of the questions were more guided towards new believers or maybe people who need the discipleship, which is great that we have resources. If someone's listening today and they go, I would love to disciple someone, I would be willing to step into that kind of like the gentleman that was with you for six years. They're ready to really pour into somebody. Maybe they've lived a life of experiences that they want to share and would want to get part of the program. Would there be a section for discipleship makers in the sense of like they're ready to take on a role of a new believer? Would that be available to some people as well?
0: Yes. There are some believers that are mature followers of Jesus that are really equipped. They have great biblical literacy already and they feel like, Hey, I don't need more training. I just need a system or a tool to begin to do this. Yeah. So our church adopted a replicate ministries tool. So replicate ministries is from, you know, Robbie Gallaty and Long Hollow. And so we have a D groups system. Anyone is interested in just kind of looking at that tool. You can go to our website, colonialhills.church. I think it's forward slash D groups. And there is a PDF of kind of an outline of a basic tool that someone can be to kind of read over. And it just gives you some suggestions on best practices about time frames, context, setting proper expectations, making sure you invite the people into a process, knowing that, again, they're stepping into probably a 24-month type of exposure in which they're going to dedicate themselves to knowing the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible. So that's one of the things that we give to our congregants. If we have someone that says, I'm ready to go, I'm equipped, I've been a believer for 20 years, and, and I, I just really want to invite people into a discipleship process, we'll just give them this playbook and say, hey, why don't you read it, use it, adopt it, modify." It. Again, knowing that there's not oh. just like a one-size-fits-all answer for yeah. all disciple-making efforts. Also, if you go to Replicate Ministries online, you can see the same type of stuff. There's a blueprint that's given to churches for how they can again, adopt some of these best practices and some of this information mm-hmm. uh, for the local congregation.
1: That's a great word, right? It is. It's <laughs> great.
2: As we wrap up, how could people get connected to to you?
0: Uh, I don't know if anyone wants to get connected to me, but <laughs> if you really are interested, you can go to ColonialHills.Church and you'll see my picture there. My email is Luke.Saunders at ColonialHills.Church. You can also find me on Facebook and would love to connect if you're in the community and you're interested in learning anything about Discipleship Academy, anything about Jesus, learning about a, a process or a system to, again, to replicate yourself to the world. I would
1: love to talk. Well, friends, it has been our pleasure to have Luke Saunders to be on the program today talking about discipleship. Kerrigan, I think this was a great program.
2: It was. Yeah, it was really great. Was. Thank you so much Yo, for being Thank here. you
1: so much for letting me be here. Luke, thank you so much, too. And friends, thank you for joining us on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. For Kerrigan Santos, I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.